welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way helps you decide how you want to tell your damn story. And today we're going to be speaking to a very special guest about how she tells her damn story and many of them. But first, who is it that's going to help you tell the damn story? Well, first... There is a former journalist, longtime teacher, an independent author who uh, has now been traditionally published. Uh, he's a legendary, uh, oh, no, he is not, excuse me. He is a singular sensation, a devotee of Dante, a historian of homicide, the reporter with the scoop, the inspector, detective, the mytho- mythological master, the high school herder, the bro from the city of woe, your kin from the city of sin. The genius at your high school and the guardian of the go- guard- goddess. Yes, it's me, Chris Ryan. And who else can tell you how to tell your damn story? More tongue twisters well, for coming. That, ladies and gentlemen, we need to go deep. We need to call upon the skills of the legendary comic book scribing, iconic teenage detectives writing, great underused character developing, and globe-trotting creator of the world-renowned Blackjack, the African-American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s, whose adventures reflect today's problems that can only be the one, the only, Alex Simmons. Da, 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 da. Okay, okay. Hey there. Hey there, hi there. Hold there, everybody. Greetings, salutations. Here we are. I think this is episode 170. That's it, 170 episodes of Tell the Damn Story. I know I'm proud. Chris, are you proud? I am officially proud. Yes, he's officially proud. Paul Proud here. And today we have a wonderful guest with us. And a guest who writes in an arena we have never talked about before. So this is going to be very exciting. The wonderful guest is Ms. Janet Winters. Let's hear it. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey, Janet. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the nice introduction. (laughs) Yeah, wild introduction. And uh, speaking of wild, you know, funny what she does, wild Mustangs, wild other uh, 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 characters and creatures of four legs, you literally write in an arena that I have only thought about as a child. As a child, I grew up watching old TV shows like Flickr and Fury. And, and of course, my favorite character, which Chris and I have talked about many, many moons, the Lone Ranger and Tonto. All of these uh, rode horses, involved horses. But I've never written anything about horses. And you, on the other hand, that is your world or a big part of your world. So, I mean, can you just, I mean, first of all, Tell us a little something about it. And I know Chris has some questions too, right, Chris? Yes, I do. Yes, yeah, so we're armed and ready. But okay. first, say hello, Janet, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, hi, everybody. Um, I am Janet Winters, and I not only ride in the arena, I write in the arena having to do with horses. And my writings are primarily, um, my novels are mysteries. And... Uh, it really, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a different thing, but my, uh, I got started with all of this. I've been a horsewoman all my life, 
and um, I just love mysteries. And uh, and before I before I became a novelist, I was in the advertising and public relations world. Ah. And so I did a lot of writing for um, you know commercial writing, brochures and ads and things like that. And then when I put in 27 years, which I felt was long enough to do anything, I decided I was going to try my hand at fiction. And, um, and, and I've always loved the mystery genre because especially the old mysteries. I mean, I grew up, well, first of all, I've got to tell you that this whole horse mystery thing started when I was a child. And uh, when I was a child, while most of the girls were reading Nancy Drew, mm-hmm. I was reading Trixie Belden. And Trixie oh, was. I uh, about that. Do yes. you remember Trixie? I remember yeah, Trixie yes. Belden. Mm-hmm. And she was a little younger than Nancy, more like of a preteen. And she was a little more of a tomboy than Nancy. Not that I am, but she was. And she had this friend named Honey. And Honey was lived on a ranch, and they had horses and so forth. And and you know, I would read these stories about Honey and Trixie cantering down the lane to solve a mystery, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And so I wanted to be a horsewoman and a mystery writer, and uh, and so I spent most of the, my reading years with Agatha Christie and um, Dorothy L. Sayers with her Peter Whimsey series. Oh yeah, Lord. And Peter I actually, yeah, Peter Whimsey, exactly. And I've actually named my saddlebreds after. Um, characters out of Peter, uh, uh, the Peter Whimsy series. As a matter of fact, my first one was named Whimsy. And, um, and so anyway, I just started writing these, um, when I decided to put the pen to the paper and start writing not a novel, I decided to put that in the horse world because that's a world I knew very, very well. So I created a protagonist who had been an Olympic hopeful in eventing and she had an accident and couldn't continue on with that professional career. So she decided to become a writer herself. Well, she started a magazine, an equestrian lifestyle magazine. And, uh, and so she's the protagonist. And that's kind of where the horses, the horses come into the whole Ivy Snow mystery series. Okay, excellent. excellent. Now, I know, like I said, Chris has lined up some questions for you. And I, I know you have a plan because Chris always has a plan. I'm, I'm Captain Improv. <laughs> the man with the plan. <laughs> the man with the plan, right? So Chris, um, you had some questions. You want to sort of jump in there and... Because I know we're going to find out a ton of stuff about her. So go ahead. Yes. Well, I was, I'm, I'm glad that you spoke about Trixie because I was going to lead with that and see where it took you. But clearly it was an early influence. And I'd like to, since that's covered, I'd like to go to another early influence. In your bio, it says that um, you won a fifth grade uh, essay contest that was then uh, published in a local newspaper, which was, you know, just apparently really positive experience for you. Can you talk to a little bit about that? And then I want a follow-up question, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, yes, I did. I, I wrote this, you know, there was an assignment we all had to do for school in order to write these um, essays and so forth and then, you know, submit them to the local newspaper. I grew up in a small town, so this wasn't like the New York Times or anything like that. Um, but it was uh, it was a small paper and it was like it was so cool. I mean, I felt like I got my picture in the paper and all that other kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. But uh, even it, you know, in my education before college, let's put it that way, um, we had English classes and English lit and all that other sort of thing. But we weren't really we weren't really encouraged to do much in, in the way of creative writing. There wasn't really any of that. 
um, there. You know, it, growing up in the era that I did, and in again a small town, there were really there. It, the attitude was like there were really only two careers for women. You know, women who wanted to con- continue their education, which was the, you were either a teacher or a nurse, and that was about it. So there wasn't a whole lot of exploration into other areas or, you know, career paths or anything else. And so writing was just a, you know, it was just like that little slice. And then, you know, whatever you did, you did for fun. Okay. Well, but, you know, I was thinking about, uh, and I'm glad that you said, you know, it's a little paper. It's not like the big, you know, the big dailies and all that stuff. However, the big dailies are slowly disappearing, you know? And yeah. as, you know, I'm a high school teacher uh, in my other, my secret identity. And um, the only paper that a lot of kids who were the, about the age that you were when you won, um, the only paper they see anymore every week is that little local. You know, now they land on your lawn, you know, and they have all the shoppers in it and some news wrapped around. Um so I was wondering what you do, whether you think that um, it's still important for those local community newspapers to encourage writing like that paper encouraged you. Well, absolutely, um, because I think I think the writers need a forum. You know, they need an opportunity or an inspiration to say, hey, yeah, I think I'll do this, you know, because who knows if I'll win or not. But, you know, somebody's going to read what I wrote, you know, even yeah. if it's the ones judging the contest, you know. But, um, yeah, just to get out there and have that forum. We don't really have, you know, everything's gone to the Internet now, which is, you know, in a way, I mean, it's good because it opens things up for more and more people and, and mm-hmm. you can get a broader audience and all that other kind of thing. But uh, I, I am I am so, sort of sad. Even our local paper here where I live now has kind of got condensed and so on and so forth, sure. you know, and yeah. got bobbled up by somebody else and so forth. And, and I think that we tend to, you know, miss that in the community to that really more of an in-depth coverage of what's going on. So, yeah. you know, I guess what Facebook groups take over and this and that and the other, but yeah, when you've grown up with that kind of thing, it's sort of like a well, sure. sad departure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I could talk a couple of minutes about your 27 years of, um, uh, press releases and, um, commercials and all that, um, at, I know you said 27 years was enough for, uh, of doing that and you wanted to move on to fiction, but it had to be great training for efficient writing. And I was wondering if you could talk about that because a lot of our audience are aspiring writers and they love mm-hmm. to hear how strong um, disciplines and habits are built. So maybe you can talk about what you learned in, uh, in that world for a while. Well, yeah, sure. And I think, uh, you know, to address what you just said about it is deadlines, 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 deadlines. And, you know, you have got to make those deadlines because that client's ad has to be in, you know, that press release has to be out, whatever, whatever. And so your whole world revolves around deadlines. And so so that's kind of interesting because, you know, as a novelist, I anyway – I had to learn a couple of things that, um, or adopt a couple of things that I, that I would never really considered or would have thought of myself. And one of those being that 
like after you do a first draft of a, of a novel, it's often recommended that you like put that in, in a drawer for a couple of weeks and just let it sit there before you go back to it again, because you'll look at it with different eyes mm-hmm. and you'll like maybe see things that you thought were flowing and they're not. You see connections that you thought you were making that you didn't because you are looking at it a little bit differently. And so, you know, that you incorporate into, into being, you know, writing fiction, being a novelist. If you were, if you had a, um, now actually I am, you know, self-published. I published through uh, Create Space, which is Kindle. And we can go into that a little bit later if you want to, but nevertheless. Alex and I have both um, done the I, same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think we've gotten, you know, to the point, I mean, it's, it's been a little bit crazy because, uh, I started out in the traditional then, you know, the traditional line of doing things. And that was when really this self-publishing thing first, just first came out. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I, I delved into it a bit and then found out that, well, you know, you've got to like, you know, get this agent and then you've got to get to the publisher and then you've got to do this and you've got to do that. But by the time the book actually lands on the shelf, you know, your cut of any profit or whatever is like the smallest of anybody's. And, you know, if, the, if it doesn't fly off the shelf, boom, they, you know, whoever sends Barnes and Noble sends it back or who, whatever. And again, two bookstores, you know, they're just, there aren't that many anymore. And those are some nice independents, but the big, big chains are, you know, full of Starbucks and games and uh-huh. stationery and everything else. And like, we're the books. So I think we have a better thing going, but getting back to what you originally asked me, Chris is, um, you know, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's very um, important that we as authors, you know, are discipline ourselves as far as like, um, you know, the timing is concerned and our schedule is concerned and so forth, because it's easy to just go, oh, I'll do it tomorrow or da, 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 because you don't have like an editor, you know, you have a publisher breathing down your neck to say, we need this in, you know, so. Are you you a strict uh, uh, planner and setter of your own deadlines? Do you keep you know, some kind of schedule. I have to have these many words by this day, or I'm going to get this done by that. Does that come out of your old career? Yes. Yes, it does. And I, um, I try to adhere to that, uh, because, you know, otherwise it's like, it can drag on forever. And, you know, I, so I do. And I, I think mainly what I do is I, um, I try to, uh, uh, rather than so many words or whatever, I try to say, I want, um, you know, I want to have so something completed by such and such a date. Like, how, you know, okay. I have to be through this many chapters or something along those lines. And the word count becomes more fluid uh, and, and kind of the deadline nears, right? Yeah. I, I just want yeah. to point out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, Sometimes I know you're just I'm... like, let me just get this done. <laughs> Let's just yeah. get this, you know, let's just get this on and then we can revisit and, and, and massage yeah. it then the second time around. Exactly. Janet, I know that you were thinking about, because uh, we're doing both uh, audio and video version of this, folks. Janet, I know that you wanted to be able to, to later uh, have a link to the video. Your camera just went off. So I just thought I'd let you know that. Oh, dear. Okay, let me see what's going on here. Wonderful. But I just thought I'd let you know that. Huh, I'm, I'm hitting the things. Um, I don't know why. Let me just see what's going on. Oh, there we go. Is that better? You're back. Yeah. Okay. Your thumb. Oh, oh, except now the camera's the other direction. 
<laughs> That's okay. Well, I'm sure you'll flip it back. It's like, you know, put some little action in this now. There you go. There we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> this technology strikes again. <laughs> so um, I, I wanted to jump to the next question, if it's okay with you. Um, sure. I'm not sure if you're aware, but you might actually find yourself in the cutting edge of independent publishing now because the, the thinking is that what you need to be really good at besides writing the story and getting it to the publisher and stuff is promotion. And your previous career puts you in a really perfect uh, position to capitalize on all of those skills that we are finding as independent publishers, we really need. So perhaps you could give us some advice on um, self-promotion as independent publishers. Um, and then I'd like to talk to you about social media. Okay. What would you, how, how do you promote your books? What do you do? I just want to okay, say, well, hang on, hang on. Hang oh, on. Go ahead. After you do that, after you answer this question, I would like us to have an opportunity to hear a little bit more about the books that you have written. Okay. All right, your sure. character. Just want to get that in there as well, you know, somewhere along the lines. Okay, so go ahead. All right. Well, it, it's, you know, it's funny that you should, uh, you know, you should ask the question in that way because what I was really going to lead into is the importance of social media in promoting your book. Um, I have, you know, a pretty decent Facebook presence but what i tend to do is um i don't i don't just focus on one particular uh segment of an audience like for instance i do have a page for ivy snow mysteries and you know a website and and so forth but in addition to writing um uh novels i also write an equestrian um uh lifestyle blog called the barn goddess chronicles and yeah, yes, exactly. That gives me an opportunity to reach um, a wider audience that is might not necessarily be somebody who is looking for um, a mystery, but who lo- who likes um, books about uh, about have something to do with horses. And it just so happened that my you know book so so you can cross promote in that way, mm-hmm. and uh, and also you know I. And again, in the horse world, I belong to the American Horse Publications um, organization, which is a public, which is an outlet for meet people in the media in the horse world. And so I can send out PR, I can send out um, public service announcements or uh, press releases and different things along those lines about uh, about the books and what's going on. And and here's another interesting thing. I think it's important to tap into organizations and events and things that are going on out there, um, not only in the writing world, but also maybe having to do with like the, the subject matter that your, um, that you, your, your book is all about giving you a, for instance, on that, uh, several years ago, I was at a horse show in New York and I was there covering it for the barn goddess chronicles to do a story. And I ran into this Diana De Rosa, who was working with Lisa Durgeon, and they do um, they they do the Equus Art and Film Fe- Film and Arts Festival, okay, and they started this thing out um, 
a number of years ago, and they did a, they, they basically did a film festival where they would recruit films about horses and take them to all these different theaters all across the country. And then they started opening it up to not, to books, you know, whether that be fiction or nonfiction authors. And now they've opened it up to artists. So it's, you know, it's all this entire group. And so you'd be able to network with all these different people. And then all of a sudden you are, they're picking up what you're doing and putting it on their, you know, web pages and their sites and so on and so forth. And, you know, I've actually, my books have won awards uh, through that organization. And that's been really good as far as being able to have, you know, something, something to announce and say about it and, 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 you know, a different angle um, that people would be interested in. So, yeah, I, I think that, and as an, as a PR person, as an ad uh, advertising person too, I think it's really important to have a plan. And you, what you need to do is sit down and take a look at all the different opportunities that are out there for you to like this opportunity right now that I'm on the show with you guys, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of like taking a look at different opportunities and different, um, and different uh, groups that you can address and so on and so forth and writing down a plan as to how you are going to include them uh, in your overall promotion. Well, that's very good. I mean, it's about combining uh, subcategories and subcultures, but like you said, interconnecting and then the word spreads. And that's, that, that is a, a great way to build, you know, or create additions to your quote unquote natural audience. Very well exactly. Done. Exactly. Do you find, I'm sorry, I just wanted to know, do you find social media uh, makes it easier for you to, to, to reach out and to make these contacts? Yes, because there are so many different um, uh, groups. And and like I said, I I focus mostly on, uh, I've been focusing mostly on, on Facebook just because, you know, that's the one that I'm, uh, a little more familiar with and, but I do a little bit on Instagram and that kind of thing. And, and so, um, it, it's, it's, that's an interesting thing because you have to, I believe well, at least the wisdom out there says you pick a couple of, um, of areas that you want to work, uh, work in. Like you just don't go with everything, you know, you're not on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and, you know, all of these different things that you really have to just like zoom in because then you want to, you want to like, um, you really want to engage your audience and get them to know a little bit more about who you are and what you write about and what your characters are about and so on and so forth. And, and maybe doing like a little, even like, um, oh, uh, you know, little film or, or, or whatever about, about the, um, of characters and so forth, just, you know, something short, uh, to be able to introduce people to them in that way. Uh, you know, different people respond to different media and different ways of learning about things. So some like the written word and some like video and some like some other things. So, you know, you just sort of have to really, I think, but focus on one or two things and really concentrate on building your audience in those, in those areas versus being spread too thin. If I could drill down on that a little bit, um, do you have, do you set aside a, a certain amount of time each day for social media? Do you plan what you're going to do on social media ahead of time? How, uh, what's your habit there? I'm on social media. I'm on it all the time. And, um, you know, I belong to, you know, many different groups, um, and so I'm, I'm on it all the time, but yes, I think, I think it's almost driven in a little bit different way. It's kind of like, what is the subject matter that I have 
that I have to work with. And then it's what outlets am I going to, um, am I going to, you know, advertise, I don't want to say advertise, but promote those on, I guess would be the way to say. Um, because, you know, they're paid ads too. I mean, you can do paid ads like on Facebook and, and so on and so forth. And sometimes I'll boost things, you know, to uh, reach an audience that I might not have, have otherwise reached. So, yeah, I do add a little bit of that in as well. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when you're on social media, and you're talking or, or um, interacting with all these different uh, groups and interests that you have. Um, you know, people always want to know, especially young aspiring writers, uh, how many, uh, how often can I talk about my own books? Do, how, do, how do you handle that? Because we get asked that all the time. Um, you have to be very careful about that. Um, mm-hmm. because nobody wants to be sold, sold, sold something all the time. You know, they're there for, they're there for added value. You know, they're there for value in their lives. And, and, and sure, you want to go out there and say, hey, you know, by the way, I mean, for whatever reason, you're going to say, hey, these make great stocking stuffers or you know, Christmas or, you know, you're doing this, doing that. Yeah. Um, you, you can do that. But I think I, I also believe that, um, people will, get jaded that if you're too self-promoting all the time. So I promote other authors' works. I promote other authors' works a lot of it, a lot of times. And sometimes I'll just come up with, um, uh, you know, like with the Barn Goddess Chronicles, I'll have, you know, the bookshelf and I'll come out and just, you know, take selections of other things that I would be interested in that I think other people would be interested in. And I promote them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and, and then in return, you know, I end up seeing my stuff promoted a little bit with their, with their things too. Sure. So this, it's, a, sure. it's a, you know, give and take scenario, yeah. but yeah, I recommend don't just hammer somebody with my book, my book, my book all the time. Yeah, because You're going to turn it off. Yeah. Is this the approach, the, uh, the promoting of others, the supporting of other uh, novelists and, and writers? Is that the approach you take with Goodreads? I myself am all, still trying to get my, my, uh, my feet solid on Goodreads. So, Yeah, me too, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I'm there, but I don't do as much with it as I should, as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Neither I would really I. like to... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would, I, I would really Alex like to do that. Alex made us promise that we would talk about your books. What books have you written? Oh. Uh, let's talk about that for a little while. Okay. Um, let's see. I have written. Um, actually, I I've written published two novels. Okay. And uh, the first one is called Murder at Morgan House, which is I think this is backwards on here, but anyway, no, it's it looks yeah. great. I can read it. Okay, good, good, good. Um, and Murder at Morgan House, um, it, it actually, this entire Ivy Snow mystery series has, um, a, I don't say based on a true story, but it's definitely inspired by a true story, or at least parts of it are. And then, because I'll tell you what, it's it was like an actual real crime that happened that um, that did inspire this book. And be, and I had never written a book before. And so I kind of was like on the fence. Should I write a true crime story or should I write a novel? And at the end of the day, I decided to, to write a novel for a couple of reasons. One, I did not feel that I could actually, 
stomach <laughs> writing a true crime story for as much true crime shows as I watch on TV and all that other kind of stuff. When it comes down to like digging into the de- details of that on my own to do, to do a book, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, and then I thought, you know what? Yeah. I thought, you know what? I think it would be a lot more fun to write a, fi- a work of fiction um, based around this because I can create my own characters and, you know, the murder itself is kind of like, okay, it happened and everything, but the real story is the characters that are in it, the protagonist and everybody that, um, the protagonist, Ivy Snow, just tell you a little bit more about her. As yes, I, said I was going to ask was you about woman, Ivy, go ahead. Ivy Snow, right. And she, um, and she, she was a, a you know, a, an Olympic hopeful and, and she, um, and she, you know, actually had a, had a, had an accident, which is part of my story, my personal story too. So I can really get behind Ivy and know how she feels because at one point in my equestrian career, I had a terrible accident and broke my neck. Uh, so, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I know, so I knew kind of like where, where she comes from mentally and emotionally and so forth. So, uh, and she also, she ends up, she ends up getting married and she marries this fella and they have, um, two, they have two kids, uh, they're fraternal twins and the daughter is psychic. Okay. So that really helps with, you know, like sort of the stuff that you can pull out of the air a little bit, you know, that she, That's she has dreams and visions and, and things like that to sort of help her mom, you know, with the, with solving the crime. Uh, so, so yeah, so, it, so it was, it was fun. And, um, again, I, I drew from, you know, reality of, of what happened. Uh, but in addition, I also, I also built other storylines around it and so on and so forth. And creating these characters then is a perfect segue into, um, into a second novel because you've already got that base of those characters sure. and then you can just create new characters come to come in and, um, uh, and, and tell another story. Mm-hmm. I have two more questions for you. One. Okay. What's the difference between Janet Winters and Ivy Snow? That is, a, she's, she's almost like an alter ego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she does stuff character. I wish I could do. <laughs> sure. Don't know all our characters. <laughs> yeah. She can do whatever she wants to. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. And she's, um, She's, you know, she's, she's pretty plucky um, and she's, she's pretty nervy. And, uh, but she also, you know, she, she, she's also a good gal. She's a good gal. And, and, and you know, that's an, another interesting thing is when you have the, you know, when you have these characters and so forth, you can like lay them out, you know, when you do, but it's also making them human. And, you know, I'm sure you guys are really familiar with the idea. Nobody is perfect and no character can be like this, you know, golden individual, but you know, they're, there's going to, they're going to have flaws. And so, um, you can pick out some of the flaws and, and I, and, and I give Ivy a little bit of my flaws uh, uh, along the way (laughs) now and again too. So keep it real. (laughs) Now that's great. Now, um, both Alex and I have, Okay. I was just saying that you and I have often talked about the the uh, some of the characters we've created and how much of ourselves are in them or not, depending on them. Like you talked to me about Blackjack. I've talked to you about uh, Gunner and, and Mallory and all that. So sure. I, we're actually with you right there, Janet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And actually, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about something that you you can bring to tell the damn story that neither of us can. Both of us have written more Alex than I. We have written Blackjack riding a horse. But you, you as an equestrian, I mean, there's a there's a different bond with horses that I'm sure comes um, out in your writing. So can you talk about writing about horses or writing about something you have such a strong bond about and, and maybe a little bit of advice for writers about what to do. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think I can boil that down to one word and that word is passion. Mm. It's passion. And, 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 and that is so important. Um, you know, when it comes to b- both riding and writing, um, horse people are weird. You know, I'll just let you know that right now. And <laughs> <laughs> we are. <laughs> but horses are not weird, right? Horses are not. We are, we're weird. People are weird, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and what and, and and just to give you an example of that, like you can be in an, an accident or something like that, and you can or, or or whatever, and it's like the first thought that comes into your mind is, is the horse okay? You know, it's like you haven't even discovered yet whether or not you're fully and still in one piece, and you're worrying about whether or not the horse is okay. Oh um, so so yeah, and and I think that you know that you can translate that into anything. Um, yeah, I mean, even taking uh, for instance, just like. Uh, sometimes you know, you, I don't know if it's how popular it still is, but I, I imagine it is. Uh, but for a while there, it was really, really hot stuff to be to have these writers that wrote about cooking, these mystery. You know, they were oh, yes. caterers that got into tr- you know this kind of thing, and they get into trouble. You know, at the job, or you know, they you know bake their way into, into trouble or something like that. Sure. But you know, you could tell that these writers, you know, by choosing that forum, that they were really passionate about food and about you know cooking and about you know entertaining and all this other things that they did and that really came out in their work and so that I sort of compare that a little bit to you know to the horse world and and it's the passion of the love of the the animal the love of the lifestyle because it's not just getting on a horse and riding it is an entire lifestyle and that's why you know I created the Barn Goddess Chronicles because the Barn Goddess Chronicles is about not just you know it is about horsemanship and it is about health for horses and you know I go into care horse care and uh, feeding and and, you know hooves and all that other kind of stuff but I'm also talking travel and fashion and design and Mm. literature entertainment and all of this other stuff that goes along with that whole lifestyle so I hope that answers your question and yeah well it no it it, it goes to the horses is Dick Francis oh yes 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 that's that was it yeah one of my favorites Bolt in a couple One of, of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. And again, it goes to, there's so much nuance that you have embraced that you can reflect that nuance and bring, it helps bring the world you're creating to life. You know, uh, Alex and I have only ever had Blackjack jump on a horse and say, giddy up and then race against the Nazis or whatever we were doing. Mm-hmm. I've had some people level off if you've lived too. that <laughs> life, which is fine. Uh, best piece of advice you ever got about writing and publishing? 
Hmm. Well, you know, I, there, I, I think that one of the things that I had to learn that I didn't, um, I didn't really know. And, and, and I, and, and I'm going to throw this question back at you guys too. Once, once I answer, Uh-oh. give you the answer I'm going to say, I want to throw it back at you a little bit here. We didn't because, know there was going to be a quiz. Uh, yeah, oh, there's questions. Oh no. Um, but but I went to a seminar, and uh, and the person who was leading the seminar this was this was for mystery mystery writers, and as I mentioned earlier, um, some of these some of the more um, the earlier writers were the ones that I was really focused in on as a reader. You know, throughout the years, the Agatha Christies and the Dorothy L. Sayers, et cetera, et cetera you know, Arthur Conan Doyle and, you know, with Sherlock Holmes and all of that stuff. So, um, and, and so, you know, I was, when I started out my first book, I had like a prologue and, you know, I was doing it more, I was, I was more along the pathway of what I had been used to seeing, you mm-hmm. know, um, in the older, in the old, with the older books. And this person, I think gave me good advice saying that nowadays um, the modern reader doesn't have time for a lot of like buildup and backstory and so on and so forth before you get to it. And her advice was you got to drop the body in the first 86 pages. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then you have to- so believe me, I'm counting those pages. <laughs> drop the body. Is he dead yet? Is he dead yet? <laughs> Okay, you start make right sure at the gallop and keep going. Sure. Um, worst piece of but advice yeah, gonna, you ever heard. I want to throw. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that back oh, on yes, you a little bit because I just started reading. I actually, you know what? Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Someday I do want to do these as audiobooks because you know that's really catching on big time. Mm-hmm. And I find myself by the time I've had my nose in that computer all day long. You know, my eyes are already like, Bleh. and if I want to, you know, read something like completely different, I actually, I was invited to join a book club for the first time. And I'm so excited about that because I've never been in one and I've always wanted to be in one. Okay. And, um, and the book that we are reading is this, um, I think it's called 29 Summers by Ellen Hillenbrand. And uh, it's very much like a same time next year kind of a thing uh-huh. premise. It's romance and all that sort of thing. She started out with a prologue and I was like, what, you know? And so I was going to ask you guys your opinion on that and say, do you think the prologue is back or did it ever, was, did it never go away? And I was just splitting down the garden path on that. (laughs) You you go first, Chris. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm going to say the thing that you said and say something that I say a lot on TTDS. So first uh, you mentioned before, well, you got to be very careful. Um, I think we were talking about social media. Um, I, I think the same goes with the story, you know. Uh, not every story will require a prologue. And, and if um, if they start coming out dozens and dozens with prologues, that, like any other thing that gets oversaturated, that will become a uh, a blocking situation as opposed to an entrance, right? But the other thing that I always say is that you have to serve the story. And my first novel, um, I started, did the whole draft 
And then I realized that it required a chapter before that chapter. So I had to write a new chapter one and everything else got, you know, chapter, the original chapter one became chapter two and on and on because this particular story required that. Um, it was, it, you could have called it a prologue, but I, you know, it sounds like it was, I was structuring the novel differently. It was really two lines of, mm-hmm. of plot. So it was a chapter one, but you know, it all depends on, you know, and, and I think those decisions have to happen after the first draft, you know, first draft, you just boom through it, tell yourself the story. Then you look at it and find out what it means. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with Chris on that level of serving the story. Absolutely. We never disagree on that. And I don't think we're disagreeing on anything at this point. Um, I think it depends on the writer and sometimes it depends on the genre because I think certain genres leave themselves open to something that eases you into a story. Although I think most writers, certainly the ones who are successful and have a, a strong following, you, you want to you want to grab your audience's interest or engage them immediately. You want to hook them in a way that they're going to keep turning pages. So whether it's a, a really engaging and intriguing prologue or it's just a phenomenally engaging and compelling first chapter, your job is to hook them initially, just to get mm-hmm. them in there. So I think your style and the genre will affect that. I, I believe, also, I was with Billy Wilder and Alan Sorkinson and several other people that I respect a lot and and try and learn from all basically say something about grabbing your reader by the throat, you know, with that, that opening. So I think again, whether it's a love story, a comedy or a mystery, yes, serve the story, but engage your audience as quickly as you can. So they stay with you and then you can build to whatever adventure romance or whatever you're going to take them on. Just build quickly. You got with time's yeah. wasted. Let's go. <laughs> time's wasted. We're busy people here. Yeah, all right. Well, I got my time for this enjoyment thing. Okay. So you had another, you had a, a final question or another question, uh, Chris, you started to ask her? Well, um, since, since uh, Janet brought up uh, pacing and all that sort of stuff, I'll ask a question about do you consciously keep your chapters short? I do. I was wondering whether you do. Yes. I do. do you feel um, it helps with the I, pacing? I find, yeah, I, yes, I find that it does pace it better. As a matter of fact, I like do breaks within the chapter, kind of like a little break thing, and then boom, keep going on, you know, with a, uh-huh. a little bit different angle or a little bit, you know, somebody else's viewpoint coming in or whatever it is. But, um, but I do. And, you know, it's something real, it, I mean, it's very interesting that you should ask me this question at this time because. Uh, I, I resurrected one of my favorite, I, I love Daphne du Maurier. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've read all practically everything. And my favorite book of hers is Rebecca. And, okay. um, as you know, you know, Alfred Hitchcock made, uh, that fabulous movie, Rebe- Rebecca. And, uh, just recently Netflix came out with a remake of Rebecca that, um, you know, has, is, has a more modern tone to it, uh, I prefer the old one, but nevertheless, I mean, I, I watched it and I actually named my daughter, Rebecca. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yes. And, and so I love this. I love this book. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm intrigued by it, you know, and, and I think that that's probably one of the only books I've ever read where the main character doesn't have a name. Mm. Wow. She has yeah, no first sure. name. 
She has no first name. She's Mrs. DeWinter, and that's it. And so I decided, because of this Rebecca revival by Netflix or whatever, that I was going to pull the book off the shelf and reread it. I hadn't read it in probably 20 years, maybe longer. So I pulled it off, and I started reading it. And I'm reading it, I'm reading it, I'm thinking to myself, these chapters are so long. It actually came and hit me right in the face, you know, that these chapters are so long. And I find myself kind of plowing through thinking, well, this, because I hate quitting a read in the middle of a chapter. I have to finish the chapter before I put the book down and go on to do something else. And it's like, I'm reading and reading and reading and reading. And I thought, well, that's probably a style thing too, that has changed over the years that it just never hit me until Rebecca. Mm Mm-hmm. I blame Anderson and all that, but I also blame James Patterson. <laughs> James Patterson, yeah. You know, yeah. Short chapters. Oh, yeah. I would, I would say that, you know, society does do that. I mean, you know, people could blame it on attention span and computers and, and the Internet and all that. But I think also just life, the pacing of life is different. You know, yeah, I think they process much faster. Yeah, well, either that or, or, or we are convinced that we process faster. Whatever, whatever it is, yeah, we are we are definitely consuming content differently, uh, and and age, you know, gender not gender not so much, but age wise, different groups age wise can sort of have a different feel about it. I'm I happen to raise three kids that, uh, and perhaps one day in their lives they'll forgive me. I introduced them to a lot of old films and mm-hmm. stories when they were growing up. So when they meet with their friends. And, and, and peers and can talk about stuff that their friends are going, what? You know, they're going, yeah, my dad, my dad did this or my dad. Did but by the same token, they can enjoy 12 angry men and then they can see, you know, something that's fairly recent and avant-garde or whatever. And they're okay because they're looking at the quality of the storytelling, the quality of the character building in that world, as opposed to, yeah, it's 20 minutes. Uh, see how many bodies we can drop. You know, it's yeah. just, it's sort of like yeah. a mindset and, and, and a cultural uh, shift. But I think good storytelling is good storytelling, no matter how you do it. Uh, I want to ask you a quick question. You had mentioned this earlier, and I know we're time. I'm looking at the time. Uh, you'd mentioned this earlier about there's, uh, there's definitely some differences between uh, your lead character uh, and, and yourself. And yet, at the same time, you're pulling from your equestrian experiences and your personal life which, yes, they are two separate things, uh, in order to flesh out and make more genuine. Uh, and, and what's your character's name against? I- Ivy. It is Ivy. Okay, good. Ivy Snow. Ivy, last name Snow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. aside from the fact she'll do some things that you might not, what else about her is not like you and what is a little bit more like you? Um, hmm. That's a good question. She, um, she is, a, she's, she's braver than I am. Um, and she, uh, she, yeah, she's, she kind of sticks her nose into things in order to like get involved in the mystery that I probably would be, would give a lot of second thought to before I ever did that myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I could never be like a real life policewoman or, you know, any of that or a detective or any of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not a chicken, but I'm also not, I don't think I've quite, you know, the, the, um, the nerve that she does. 
Um, but we're very much alike in that we, um, we are, are concerned about our children. Our children are very, are very important to us. As I mentioned, she has fraternal twins, a boy and a girl, and the girl is psychic. And, you know, and the boy comes in and he gets into some interesting situations himself that he's got to, you know, they got to help him get out of and so forth. And I also, I have, um, I have what, they're not really twins, but they're, you know, three and three months apart. One is adopted and the other's a birth child and one's a boy and one's a girl. So I guess similarly, you know, I kind of drew from my kids and what they have gone through growing up and so on and so forth to be able to infuse that. And I'll ask my daughter, I'll say, what I said, I'll say, okay, JC is the, the teenage girl who is um, psychic. And I'll be like writing a thing where JC gets up in the middle of the night and she's going to, you know, she's going to call an Uber because she's got to go chase down somebody and she can't find her mother. So she's going to do it herself and this and that. I'll be thinking to myself, what would she wear? What would JC wear when she does this? What would she grab for? Mm-hmm. And so I called my daughter and I said, what would JC, what would JC wear? What? She says, well, for one thing, she'd pull a pair of chucks off out of, from out from under the bed and she'd wear her chucks, you know, her sneakers. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I can, I can make that when she says she gets the chucks or puts on her chucks that, you know, they're the bit lace up basketball shoe kind of things. And it's kind of like, oh, you know, that really makes her, um, visually like you can visualize that so much better and it's something a kid that age would actually do versus somebody my age you know i'd be looking for my you know uh you know for my uh, some sort of high heels or something like that or whatever i'd be looking for but chucks wouldn't be it <laughs> let me put it that way <laughs> I grew up in Chucks. I don't know what to tell you. You grew up in Chucks. You say that to some people, they would think you meant nunchucks, in which case you'd be pulling out these these, these stick, these martial arts weapons. Ah, he's a to get with chuck. It. So that's another thing. So she grabbed her chucks in case she had to take somebody down. I said, <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's badass. She's badass. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you've See done it. two books. You've done two of these books, and and you did say earlier that w- the, w- the first book, or at least the, the mystery in that, was inspired by a real life crime. In your second book, which is called "Death at Heart's Desire," Death okay. at Heart's Desire. and this takes yes, this takes place. A lot of the action takes place at, a, at, a, at an estate. That's next to um, the estate that I or the uh, farm that Ivy lives on, the horse farm that she lives on. So a lot of the action takes place there. And, and I have to. I'm sorry, is that crime? Yeah. Well, there's a very important part of this book that is based on a reality, or on, on on a true thing, and I'll. Uh, I'll, for for those who you know uh, like would like to read the book, I would hope I hope you do. But when you do. Note that the there's a prison escape ah. in this book. Huh. It's very unusual prison escape. Yeah. And yes, and, and, and this is based on a real pres- prison escape that happened in my town, in my area, when I was growing up. And um, although I wasn't, of course, involved directly in the prison escape, I was involved from the standpoint. (laughs) Yeah. Nice to know. Yeah. There I am this little, you know, this little prisoner over here and away I go. But, um, actually the, the person who escaped from prison was a murderer and he murdered my mother's best friend's daughter. Oh my God. And, and yes. And he had a very, it's a very unusual escape. 
And, uh, and so I incorporated that into the book. And, uh, and so when you read it, it's like, look, look for that. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it's just like, is, you know, you know, the old saying, truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, and like, you can't make this kind of thing up. You know, people say, well, you can't make that up, you know? Yeah. Well, darn it, this is one of those situations where you can't make it up, but it really happens in real life. And I was involved in even later on because of, uh, you know, because of knowing the family and being involved with the court cases and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, 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 this is based on, this part of the book is based on a real, a real thing that was part of my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's two more things I wanted to ask you. Uh, one is, is there another... Ivy Snow book on the horizon somewhere. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I just finished the first draft. Ah, um, fantastic. Yes, just, just finished it. <laughs> but it's still, you know, it's still, it's still a ways to go. It's still a little baby and uh, it's still a ways to go. But this is going to be a lot of fun. And, um, and this, this particular um book is it's again the ivy snow and the horses and 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 based on all of that jc's gotten a little bit older now she's um she's not driving yet but she's like maybe 15 i guess 14 15 years old and ivy and her best friend sloan who um was was also she was an olympic rider as well she she actually won a silver medal um the two girl the two women take their uh take um jc that's ivy's daughter and uh, JC's best friend uh, ch- down to Florida for the Winter Equestrian Festival, mm-hmm. and that's a big a festival that's like right near Palm Beach. And so I've you know been to that festival numerous times, and I you know I'm very familiar with what's on the scene, what, what's like, and what goes on, and so on and so forth. And it's also um, it's also uh, the Palm Beach Polo is right there, and. Uh, and 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 this also has um, the very you know right from the get go based a based in reality theme, and um, it was kind of uh, it was kind of crazy because uh, one time when my friend friend and I were were in that area and we did attend one of the polo matches, it turned out her um, her sister in law was once married to a polo player and he was a very good polo player and he's since is deceased. But they had a cup name after him, the Elvis Soccer Cup. And we were there to see that, you know, this was the final, you know, the playoff and, and whatever have you. And all of a sudden, like one team didn't show up. And um, it turned out that these horses, you know, met a, a very sad demise. And so that kind of like kicked it off. And that, and that starts like, again, I start building up fictional characters around all oh. of that and what happens and so on and so forth. But it was a real thing that happened that, that I was there to witness. So again, you know, t- drawn from real life, yep. but then, you know, adding the secret sauce. Go bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> it's more exciting yeah. than my life. <laughs> so, you know, Chris, I don't know if you had a, a last question or two or what. I'm, I am fully satisfied. I've learned a lot today. Okay. Excellent. Then, then I will say two things. Uh, one, something you said to me, cause, uh, I had the, the good fortune of talking to Janet uh, some weeks before us, you know, we met and actually spoke. Um, you mentioned to me that there's a whole world of people who write stories based around the equestrian experience, whether it's factual or fictional. 
And so um, I would just love to have you back at some point and discuss that a bit more too, as well as, you know, whatever else you're doing with, with your own books and your own character. So would you be willing to come back at another time? Oh, I absolutely would. And, uh, and I would, you know, absolutely love to even, you know, include some of the people that are involved, you know, in a big way in, um, in, you know, writing uh, uh, books that are based on horse, you know, the horse life, equestrians, etc. Because it's not, you know, I mean, I'm a mystery category, but there's a lot of other ones, you know, there's um, you know, romance, there's uh, children's books, there's, um, you know, just about anything you can think of, really. And then and then the nonfiction as well. Um, but uh, yeah, but there are and they're just, a, you know, a lot of different angles to come come from come by. And, uh, and I think, yeah, that would it would open up an interesting world to be able to take a look at it from others point of view as well. That would be that would be excellent. I look forward to that. And then last, is there anything you'd like to share with uh, the audience before we say adieu? Yes, I would. Um, I would like to say that, uh, you know, this is all such, still such a learning process. And um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. And I feel like I'm learning. I think each book is getting better, I think. You know, of course, you can be the judge of that. The reader, the reader can be the judge of that. Mm. But um, uh, I, I, I wanted to mention, too, that uh, I, I really, um, Alex, you had, uh, had told me about a boot camp that, you're good, that you, that you um, uh, lead. Oh. And, um, I really think, yes. And I hope you, you know, I know you'll, you'll let the audience know more about that and, and so forth as it gets developed along. But by, the more I thought about it, um, about wanting to do something like that, which I've never done, the more I think that that is, that sort of a thing is something we all should be doing to continue to sharpen our skills, to learn from other people, to experience things in a way. I told you, you know, you had asked me about my process, whether I was a plotter or a panther. And um, I'm much more of a panther, you know, for the audience out there, that's somebody that kind of like makes it up as they go along. I like to call it organic, actually. You know, it's more organic <laughs> to do it that way. <laughs> That's a nice buzzword for nowadays. <laughs> Anyhow, um, but, but, you know, I can see just by, you know, taking a look at the boot camp and so forth that a lot of it is, a lot of it has to do with like the plotting process too. And I think that I could stand to learn a little bit more about that because you say that, that getting stuck in the middle thing, you know, yeah, the, the murky middle or whatever you call it. I find myself in the murky middle. And, uh, you know, I devise my own little ways of doing things like making up index cards to, so I can figure out who did what, when, and oh. when was the last time they appeared in the story and all that other kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Index card. Um, right, right, right. So I do that and so forth. So I think, you know, I have a lot to learn about the processes and stuff that I'm not familiar with. And just because I haven't done it that way doesn't mean I can't do it that way or at least in part do it that way. That it will improve my writing. And, um yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm looking forward to, to participating in that. And, uh, and, and yes, everybody keep learning, try new way, things, new ways of doing things, because it's only going to help you in the long run. Tell the damn story better. There you go. <laughs> I wasn't in advertising for 27 years for nothing. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But, and, and on that note, yes, you, we will talk about my Mystery Writers Boot Camp and all that other kind of stuff. And Janet, 
absolutely enjoyed your visit here and you're definitely welcome back and we will do that. And Chris, what do you want to say before we say, you know, Janet said it, Janet said it, man. Yeah, well, Tell the damn said. story. What are you going to say? <laughs> Janet, took, Janet took care of it, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Janet, Chris, everybody's been great. Take care. Okay. Happy holidays. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs>